0: Hi, this is Bob Burdensky. Here's another annual giving interview. Uh, today we're chatting with Adrian Salmon, uh, a good friend from across the pond at the University of Leeds, about his use of regular or recurring giving as a smart fundraising strategy. Uh, it's a special tea time annual giving chat from the UK, this time on Annual Giving Interviews. So, right. I'm sitting in the house of my good friend, Adrian Salmon of the University of Leeds. Hi, Adrian. Hi, Bob. (laughs) And we're having a conversation about the virtues of regular giving. And it's my observation, having traveled across the pond a number of times, that my British friends at British universities have uh, run ahead of my American friends Hmm. in terms of their understanding of the usefulness of regular donors. Adrian at the University of Leeds um, you've got nearly 2,000 contributors out of a total population of 6,000. Is that right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's about right. Um, and so so our regular donors are about a third of our donor population, but in terms of the actual income, they deliver lifetime income, they deliver two-thirds of the lifetime income.
0: So in looking at the statistics, um, securing a regular donor isn't just of immediate value, it really has
1: extended value beyond that. No, indeed, I mean, this is the thing that some organizations struggle with, with regular donor programs. They think that they just look at the first year value, and they see that if they get somebody on uh, £10 a month, uh, when they could have got $250 out of them, they, they think they've lost money on that donor. But... The chances of getting that donor who gave $250 to give it again the next year are vastly smaller than the chances of that £10 a month donor just carrying on and carrying on and carrying on their gift. And so over the longer term, actually the $10 a month donor is more valuable than the $250 donor who possibly doesn't renew the next year. I
0: think in the U.S., and partly this is driven by U.S. News & World Report and their rankings that consider annual alumni participation, uh, and for other reasons, you know the mechanics of processing transactions, we've really created a situation that has put a priority on single gifts in a year, yeah. and we've really made it a challenge to ourselves to sort of erase all that and start over again yeah. the next year. But you talk a lot uh, very eloquently about the real benefit being the efficiency of the transaction. And once you've had that first conversation, it really becomes a lot easier yes. to talk about gifts going from there. Talk yes, about absolutely.
1: That. Well, the, um, the thing in the UK is that we have a, a system that's now very well set up for promoting regular giving, um, partly because the gas and electricity companies saw the benefits of this system for them and really used their muscle to get the banks to sort something out. So nowadays we have a system where just by taking a donor's bank details over the telephone, we can get their permission to get them to give us a regular amount every month, quarter or year. Uh, And that just gets pulled out of their bank account and into hours. and it's invisible it takes a phone call to set it up and anytime they want to change it they just tell us we send them out a confirmation letter and that's done so there's there's no need for any paperwork involved with it either most of your
0: new regular donors come through the phone yeah talk about how you broach that subject
1: well um we we talk about regular giving as the preferred option, as the only option, and um, the best way to give. So, so if we are talking on the phone to a potential donor to Leeds, um, we will, after having the conversation with them about their time after graduation and what they've been doing and engaging with them, we'll talk to them and say, um, we'd like to discuss with you the possibility of setting up a regular gift the annual fund just to give you an idea of the kind of thing that you can be achieved it only takes uh eight people giving eight pounds a month uh to fund another scholarship for a year would you would you like to do something like that mr jones hmm. and then take the negotiation from there and obviously you know we'll set different monthly amounts for different people depending on their age their income their you know their their warmth as far as we can measure it but but it, but it's all the first asks are are framed in terms of regular giving a long term commitment
0: i encounter plenty of proud Phone managers at U.S. universities who uh, assume that regular giving is just going to deprive them of the opportunity to renew and upgrade a donor no, no, next no, year. No. But someone who's in a regular giving mode, there's no reason you won't be in touch with them at some point down the
1: road no indeed um and in fact we'd recommend it i mean the big the big pitfall is to recruit a lot of monthly givers and then forget about them not to steward them not to keep them in touch with how their gift's helping um and in fact these people are the people who are most likely to renew and upgrade their gifts the renewal is taken care of because these gifts are going to carry on for an average of at least seven or eight years, maybe longer. Um, so then all you have to focus on is how to communicate them, uh, with them best to ask them to upgrade in, in 18 months to two years' time. Um, some charities do it on an annual cycle. Uh, I tend to prefer to look at it at an 18-month to two-year cycle of asking donors to upgrade their gifts. And generally, somebody uh, giving a monthly gift, uh, when we speak to them again, uh, generally about a third of the people we speak to increase their gifts. And they usually increase it by at least 50%. Wow. So it's it's pretty big. Um, and it's because it has become um, second nature to them, that they are giving that gift every month. It hasn't made any difference, by and large, to their financial circumstances. They haven't noticed it coming out. And so over a period of time, they realize that they could have given more. And so by the time that you call and ask them to, uh, they're usually more than happy to.
0: Um, you mentioned stewardship. I mean, it's sort of, there's an irony here that as you remove the transaction necessity from mm. this continual giving... There's less need to talk to them from a solicitation point of view, mm. but it also creates a need at the same time to not ignore them. Yeah. What sort of impact has that had on uh, your communications with people who are perpetually giving?
1: Well, um, it, 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 makes, it, it means that not every communication has to be an ask you can simply write to people and say thank you for what they're doing and and sometimes people will give to you on top of that so we for example automatically invite all our regular donors to our scholarships reception no matter the amount of their regular gift the fact of their giving regularly qualifies them to to come to that event Um, and quite often we get additional contributions from those regular donors who are unable to come, as as a kind of thank you for the invitation. So so, you, but but all we've done is said we'd like you to have the opportunity to come and meet some of the students who are benefiting from your support, and thank you for being a regular donor. And and really, you know, you don't have to go over the top with stewardship to uh, to to regular donors. They they would like you to spend the money on the cause.
0: It would surprise some of my American friends to hear that most of your regular donors are set up with their checking account. And so you have student callers that are really yes. taking checking account information. Yes. But it, that's still related to the fact that that's become a more accepted way for it's, people to pay things.
1: Yes, it's become a very accepted way. I mean, in this country... Uh, people will pay their, their, um, their utility bills by direct debit. So they'll give their bank details to their gas company or their electricity company. They'll pay their broadband by direct debit. They'll pay their mobile phone bill by direct debit. So they're very used to giving their bank details out to all sorts of different companies who then pull money out of their bank accounts. And it's only possible because there's a good... A security system in place for it and because there's a good guarantee system in place for it and because you know none of those organizations have um, recently tried to abuse people's rights by taking out more than they want to um, so so that means it does well for charities and and charities can tap into and use the system in exactly the same way And people don't. People have more qualms about giving their bank details out over the phone than they do about giving their credit card details out. That's true. Um, But it's really odd because actually, with somebody's bank details, all I can do is give them money. Whereas, in fact, <laughs> yeah, right. whereas in fact, with, with somebody's credit card details, I can do whatever I like. And it always surprises me that we are more, by and large, more successful with getting people's credit details over the phone than we are their bank details. That's
0: ironic, isn't it? It is a bit ironic. So, um, you know, a few years ago, it, it was hard to believe that people would give credit card numbers over the phone in the U.S. And I think a mm. lot of institutions now are having a lot of success And just making immediate payments via credit card. So I could imagine checking account numbers being a little more accepted as time goes by as well. Oh, yeah. For the moment, any reason why regular giving couldn't exist in a credit card context?
1: None whatsoever. Um, And actually, um, the fact that most credit cards expire after three years gives you at least one touch point where you need to talk to those regular donors to secure their renewal but it also structures it because halfway through that 3 year period you can then go and ask them to increase so so you've actually got two upgrade points structured in there by the fact of the 3 year duration of the average credit card so that's that's pretty good um and and if if people are happy to maintain that level of contact Um, then there's no reason it couldn't work pretty well. And as long as the credit card charges uh, are reasonable from the credit card company.
0: As I visit phone rooms in the U.S., it's increasingly a challenge just to get people on the phone. And Mm. it's not necessarily anything against the institution. It's just that they're not picking up the phone when anybody calls that isn't a number already pre-programmed into their mobile phone. Uh, So... Depending upon what sort of a betting person you are, you know, it's why why not give yourself the safety net of having a regular contribution? Yes. Rather than hoping that you'll get them on the phone again next year. Absolutely. That to me seems a more and more valid argument every day, separate and in addition to the point about the lifetime value that you're seeing with regular donors. I love your love of data. Give me that data point as one summary bit, contrasting the value of a one-off donor versus a regular donor. Well,
1: for us, for the University of Leeds, uh, our average uh, direct debit donor has a lifetime value of 750 pounds. Um, Our average credit card or check donor has a lifetime value of 125 pounds. So So you do the math. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So for a lot of reasons, uh, I think it's
0: smart to think about uh, regular giving. Adrian Sama, thank you very much. Bob, it's a pleasure.